بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمد الشاكرين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائها وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك القافلون Today's subject which is with regard to Al-Imam Al-Mahdi رضي الله عنه We start this subject by firstly exploring the various positions people took with regard to Al-Imam Al-Mahdi رضي الله عنه أهل السنة والجماعة who form Al-Kathratul Kafira, the overwhelming majority of the Muslims, they all agree upon the fact that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam foretold of a person who will be from his progeny, from the progeny of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. This is something agreed upon. There was a divergent view held by Ibn Khaldun, the historian, sociologist, who wrote his famous Tariq history, and he had a muqaddima, an introduction to his work. A great work. He was a Maliki jurist as well. But his rejection of the Mahdi was mistaken not only because he was not a scholar of a hadith in ulum al-hadith, but also because of his theory on how leadership is formed. He had a concept known as asabiyya, which is tribalism, that there are stages of how a caliphate or a kingdom is formed and how a kingdom reaches its apex and then how a kingdom falls. He had a whole theory. That theory was based on, from amongst its most important components was a concept known as Asabiya tribalism. That anyone who ascends to being a king must have tribalism. Banu Umayyah, they had strong tribal links and therefore they ascended to power. And according to Ibn Khaldun, in his time when he was writing, which was way after Banu Umayyah, he claimed that the Banu Hashim, the tribe of Rasulullah does not have sufficient asabiya, the tribalism that is an essential component of leadership. But of course this is faulty because the appearance of Imam Lahdi relates to al-Nabuwa, prophethood, how that Rasulullah foretold something and it will come about in accordance with how he foretold or prophesied. This is from Dala'ilun Nubuwa. And it will happen when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. And at the time it will happen, of course, with the divine will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But broadly speaking, there is consensus, ijma' on the appearance of Imam al-Mahdi radiallahu anhu. This can be seen from the early centuries, early hadith collections, 
like the Sunan of Imam Abu Dawood, not to get into the discussion of what the Orientalists may claim. Sometimes they claim that these books, these hadith collections were compiled over 200 years after Rasulullah That is a common objection which every Muslim should know the response uh, regarding how do we respond to that, that there were collections of hadith prior to that, but why these later collections were given some, such prime importance is because they collated all the numerous hadith collections. So the earlier collections were small. For instance, the narrations of Abu Hurairah may have been compiled by one narrator, like Sa'id ibn Musayyib. He may have compiled 100 hadith of Abu Hurairah in one collection. A small collection of 100 hadith. Only one link between Sa'id ibn Musayyib and, and Rasulullah through the Sahabi Abu Hurairah. These were early collections. But what happened 200 years later is that, not even 200 years later, in the starting from the likes of Imam Malik, the compiler of the Muatta, they compiled from numerous narrators and therefore their compilations were larger in size. So people just went to the larger compilations because they compiled everything. Not only did they compile everything in one volume, they also chaptered their compilations. So for someone to say, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala, he passed away well over 200 years after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Why do you rely on the Sahih of Imam Al-Bukhari? This is a flawed claim, meaning the claim to say that the collection is inauthentic because the collection is based upon earlier collections. It compiles everything prior and then it places them in chapter headings. So the Sunan of Imam Abu Dawood, Imam Abu Dawood, Suleiman ibn al-Ash'ath, one of the compilers of the Sunan, he has an entire kitab al-Mahdi, an entire book within the Sunan of Imam Abu Dawood, known as Kitab al-Mahdi. Similarly, Imam Abu Isa, Muhammad bin Isa bin Sawra al-Tirmidhi, Rahimahullah ta'ala, the compiler of Al-Jami' One of the six books of the Sunan He also has a hadith relating to Al-Imam Al-Mahdi He has a chapter heading on the Mahdi Before he relates the hadith of the descent of Sayyiduna Isa alayhi salam The descent of Sayyiduna Isa alayhi salam Is intrinsically linked to the Mahdi Because the appearance of the Mahdi Entails that the descent of Sayyiduna Isa salam is imminent. And the ahadith on the descent of Sayyiduna Isa salam are related by Imam al-Bukhari, Imam Muslim throughout the works of hadith by over dozens of companions, 28 companions, around 28 companions. Sahaba Ali Muridwan alone narrate the descent of Isa salam in over 80 hadith, authentic hadith. This would make it mutawatir, mass transmitted. Similarly, with regard to Imam al-Mahdi, there are dozens of hadith, authentic hadith that have been related, not as mutawatir 
as the ahadith of Sayyiduna Isa alayhi salam, but nevertheless deemed as mutawatir. Uh, Imam Muhammad bin Ja'far al-Kattani in his book Nazmul Mutanafir fil Hadith al-Mutawatir he counts the Hadith of Imam Mahdi as being what? Al-Mutawatir, mass transmitted. So this is the standard position of Ahl Sunnah wal-Jama'ah but there is a distinction between our stance and the Shia because the Shia, one of the prime beliefs of the Shia is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ob- obligated it's wajib upon Allah to dispatch imams, imams who guide the people after the Anbiya والسلام, and they believe the imams are also what? The a'imma are ma'asum like prophets والسلام, and they believe that the 12th imam which is Al-Imam Al-Mahdi is currently in occultation hidden away from the world and will appear at the end of times. This is how there is a distinction between the Sunnis and the Shia with regard to this tenet. And the Sunnis are not as focused upon Al-Imam Al-Mahdi in the way that the Shia are focused. In the sense that we know Rasulullah has foretold that this will happen and it will happen at the end of times. And when it occurs, it will be from the Dala'ilul Nabuwa, the signs of prophethood. But what we do not do is become like the Armageddon cults that we await for the Mahdi and we do not do action. This is the distinction between Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah and the other sects, the Shia, especially the Shia, in the sense that we remain proactive in what is an obligation upon us, meaning. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated upon the ummah that he must carry out from all the obligations. This is why Al-Imam Abu Ja'far Ahmad Al-Tahawi rahimahullah ta'ala in his famous Bayan Sunnati Wal Jama'ah which is known as the Aqeedah he mentions that the Hajj will always remain active irrelevant to whether the Amir of the Hajj is a pious man or an impious man. The Hajj remains active. Every year we must do Hajj, meaning the Muslims are obligated to carry out the Hajj, irrelevant to who is governing Makkah al-Mukarramah. Similarly, the Muslims must carry out al-Jihad under the Amir, under the Amir, whether he is pious or impious. This is an obligation under the leader. Similarly, the obligation of giving the Zakat and distribution of the zakat under the Amir, under the leader, these actions are carried out proactively by Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The attitude of saying everything is bad and it will improve when Al Imam al Mahdi appears is not from the correct methodology. It's from a misguided methodology. It was not the methodology of As Sahabatul Kiram, Ridwan. It was not the way of a Salafu Salihun, like the likes of Abdullah bin al-Mubarak, rahimahullah ta'ala, who would do talabul ilm for one year and then go out for jihad for one year. Meaning, a Salafu Salihun, they carried on with what? Talabul ilm, this seeking knowledge, dissemination of the Quran and Sunnah amongst the people, and proactively teaching the people with regard to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what has happened over the years 
is that some people have been deluded with regard to a misguided interpretation of Ashratu Sa'a, the signs of the end of times. As what happens in the Christian faith, that every so often you have a false Christ, like the Viserian in Russia recently was arrested over a year ago. The Viserian in Siberia, a man who was a traffic police officer during the communist rule, post-communist rule, he grew his hair long, wore white robes and claimed to be what? Jesus, the reincarnation of Jesus in Siberia, building up a cultic following. And of course, that is a distortion of even the Christian faith. It's a distortion of the New Testament. This has happened within the Christian faith throughout history. It's happened in near history as well. But it happens amongst Muslims and has happened historically speaking. Like there was the case of Al-Muqanna' the false prophet that wore a mask and then carried out magic tricks and in order to fool the people and made false claims during the time of Banu Umayyah. But in recent history, what you had and what is more precisely associated with this lecture is you had Juhayman al utaybi who in 1979, which is the solar calendar, what they refer to as the Gregorian calendar. In 1979, he what he hijacked Al-Haram al-Makki, proclaiming that the Mahdi will appear. And this was at the time of the Islamic calendar turning into 1400. So an apocalyptic mindset, similar to what happened in 1999 when you had the Y2K bug because we were turning into the year 2000 people thought because it's the completion of a millennium a bug will corrupt the computer systems to the point that everything will crash around us and will invite the end of times so what happened in that time if you remember some of you the 27th night of Ramadan was in a court at the same, around the same time of the night of the year 2000 entering. And what happened? Tony Blair enters the Millennium Dome and some Muslims thought that everything will crash around us and they need to be prepared. There were even some Muslims who went out into the countryside with candles thinking that airplanes will fall down from the sky. Some people even sold their homes and left their home countries, went to other countries thinking that everything will crash around them because the millennium is entering. Now, the similar mindset was held amongst the followers of Juhayman al-Utaybi. Juhayman al-Utaybi was from a background of radical Salafism. Radical Salafism, which was a part of the movement when the Saudi royal family, they became the monarchy of the Arabian Peninsula, changing the name of the peninsula to Saudi Arabia. And then there were some radical followers from the Wahhabi movement from Najd in that region that supported the Saudi family. But when the Saudi family 
made alliances with Western governments and it of course had its alliances from the inception but uh, when it allowed uh, Western corporations to enter and Western banking and all these various alliances the radicals amongst the Wahhabis they opposed the Saudi family. Juhayman al-Utaybi came from this type of background even though he was a, a soldier within the Saudi army for a while as well. He attended some of the hadith lectures of Nasiruddin al-Albani and Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Baz. These are the prominent Salafi scholars of the time, al-Muqbil al-Wadi'i of Yemen and others. But of course the methodology of Salafism is that everyone reads the works of hadith and they formulate their own opinions. So because of Juhayman al-Utaybi's political positions with regard to the royal Saudi royal family, he, reading through the hadith of the end of times, misguided him. This is what happens when there is an absence of a fiqh, jurisprudence of reading hadith. That if someone reads through a hadith without jurisprudence, they will become misguided. But how did his misguidance form and how did it flesh out when he was in prison for a while under investigation he met a man by the name of Muhammad al-Qahtani and Muhammad al-Qahtani then Juhayman al-Utaybi formulated the belief that Muhammad al-Qahtani is the Mahdi when they were released from prison in fact he married Muhammad al-Qahtani to his sister. So he was his brother-in-law. And Muhammad al-Qahtani claimed to be from the Ahlul Bayt, from the family of the Prophet They went out into the countryside of Saudi Arabia within the vicinity of uh, the Arabian Peninsula in the deserts and they started to practice with guns and rifle practice, target practice. And during that time, they had a following of well over 300 young men. All those 300 young men were radicalized into thinking that the Mahdi has appeared, which is Muhammad al-Qahtani. And they would read the hadith of the end of times and superimpose their own interpretations. And this is the main focal point that I want to draw our attention to for now. That when people read the hadith of the end of times and they superimpose their current political or economic reality upon those hadith, they misinterpret those hadith. Like what happened during COVID, some people would interpret various hadith or misinterpret certain hadith because of the trauma that they were feeling at the time from lockdown, from lockdowns, from government imposition of lockdowns, from the vaccines, all these various policies affected the mindset of so many people that they misinterpreted many hadith. But similarly, Juhayman al-Utaybi and his cohorts, they were facing political pressure within Saudi Arabia, within Saudi Arabian society, they felt uh, something against the Saudi family and therefore they 
superimpose their own interpretations on the hadith of the Mahdi. Only to reappear again in 1979 when they entered Al-Masjid Al-Haram and the rest is history. You can read about what occurred in Al-Masjid Al-Haram and then eventually when Muhammad Al-Qahtani was shut down, he died. Firstly, Muhammad Al-Qahtani thought of himself as being invincible. He was running around in Al-Masjid Al-Haram despite the fact that the soldiers, the Saudi soldiers were sniping people in Al-Masjid Al-Haram. Despite that, he was running around and then he was shut down. When he died, Juhayman Al-Utaybi ordered his close companions to hide the body. Why hide the body? Because if they find out that Muhammad al-Qahtani has died, then al-Mahdi has not appeared. So he hid the body and then eventually the Saudis with the help of French advisors and French troops, they filled al-Masjid al-Haram with water and then placed electricity in the water, killing many of the young men who were brainwashed into this cult. And then eventually everyone else was arrested, including Juhayman al-Utaybi, and then Juhayman al-Utaybi was eventually executed. One of the shiyukh of Juhayman al-Utaybi, one of the shanaqita, shinqiti ulama of Saudi Arabia came to visit him. And Juhayman al-Utaybi felt remorseful for his actions. Of course, why was he remorseful? Because it became apparent that, that Muhammad al-Qahtani is not the Mahdi. When they hijacked the masjid, they misinterpreted one of the hadith. Which hadith was that? In the Sunan of Imam Abu Dawood, which mentions that when the bay'ah, the oath of allegiance shall be given to Imam al-Mahdi radiallahu an, an army will come from the direction of Syria, from Asham, greater Syria. And the army will enter Al-Madinatul Munawrah. This army will pillage the city, violate its sanctity, and then the army will be swallowed up in the deserts in a region known as Al-Bayda. Al-Qahtani and Juhayman Al-Utaybi, both of them awaited for, they were awaiting for this sign to occur, but it never occurred. How else did they brainwash their followers? Aside from misinterpretation of hadith. So the first step of brainwashing was isolation. They isolated their followers. This is why Rasulullah said, Alaykum bil jama'ah, you must be with the congregation, meaning the, the majority of Muslims. How in the masajid, when they pray, you stay with the jama'ah. When they perform the hajj, you stay with the jama'ah, meaning the ummah of the Prophet. So you do not fall into uh, an isolationist cult like the Khawarij. The Khawarij also became like this. And Yadullahi ma'al jama'ah, the Yad of Allah, meaning the Sifa of Allah, the Yadullah is with Al Jama'ah, is the congregation. Some interpret it as the, uh, the support of Allah is with Al Jama'ah, the congregation. So the first thing he did was isolate them. The second was what? Misinterpret the hadith. Superimpose your current reality on the hadith. And this can be done commonly with many hadith. For instance, when Obama became the president, 
Some people were forwarding the hadith which mentions in the end of times an Abyssinian African man, he shall break down the Kaaba with the pickaxe. It's a hadith, Sahih hadith. The man is described as the man with two bent uh, legs or bent uh, calves. This man is described. And they said this African man must be Obama. Meaning it's a inter- misinterpretation of the hadith. The third policy or the third method of mass brainwashing was dreams. The utilizing of dreams. Now we know in the end of times dreams will become more common and they will be real dreams. This is one of the reasons why Imam Muhammad Sa'id Ramadan al-Buti rahimahullah in his Sharh al-Hikam al-Ata'iyah he warns about people who misuse dreams. That real pious people do see dreams of Rasulullah sallallahu They may even see Rasulullah sallallahu in a wakeful state. Like what happened with Imam Ahmad al-Rifai rahimahullah. But in the day and age we live in, it's dangerous for people to divulge such dreams to people because those people who make up false dreams in order to misguide people, they can take advantage of this, like false relics. Sometimes some people, you'll notice, sometimes some people will make false relics. The real hair of Rasulullah will not have a shadow. It will not have a shadow. This was determined by the Mufti of the Ottoman Caliphate under a Sultan Abdul Hamid al-Thani rahimullah. So they gave certificates out to the real relics. The people who had the real relic, the hair will not have a shadow. Why? Because the Prophet had a light in his physical makeup which entailed that he had no shadow. Like Abdul Rahman bin al Jawzi, rahimallah, points out. So the hair of the Prophet cannot have a shadow. And there are not many hairs, authentic hairs, because most of the Sahaba, ridwan, they buried the hairs when they were buried. Like Amir Muawiyah, he commanded that the blessed hair of the Prophet be placed in his mouth when he dies. Many of the companions did this. So there are only a few relics, authentic relics. Similarly, some people will make false lineages claiming to be Ahlul Bayt. Why? Because the honor and respect people give the Ahlul Bayt, they will make a false lineage. So a person who is a gharib, unknown person, he goes to a region where people will not know his lineage and he will claim to be Ahlul Bayt and misguide the people. This happens also. And the third aspect of this is dreams but this is not to say that there are no authentic relics or there are no real ashraf or there are no real dreams all three exist there are real relics there are real ashraf and there are real dreams but in this day and age some people attempt to utilize dreams to misguide people so juhayman al-utaybi what did he do he started to report dreams that people were seeing that Al-Imam Al-Mahdi has appeared and it is in the person of Muhammad Al-Qahtani. 
So this is an embodiment of false Mahdi claimants. There are other examples like uh, Gohar Shahi, who was from Pakistan. He visited England in the 1990s and he was a misguided individual. He misguided so many different people. These are the embodiments that we must be careful of. Now, what is the correct methodology with regard to the impending appearance of Imam al-Mahdi radiallahu anhu? I'll relate to your story. In 2010, I was in Makkah al-Mukarramah for Hajj. And there was a person with me and he said to me that do you think al-Mahdi is someone we know or someone prominent and the reason why this person was saying this was to entertain the idea that his Sufi Shaykh may be Al-Mahdi, to entertain the idea, which no one should entertain, by the way, it's dangerous. So I said to the brother at the time, and this was a learned individual, not a lay person. I said, our methodology, the methodology of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is to follow Al-Quran, Wa-Sunnah, and Ijma' consensus. And because we were in Makkah al-Mukarramah, I said our methodology manhaj is the manhaj of Sayyid Muhammad bin Alawi al-Maliki, rahimahullah. Later that evening, I went to visit Sayyid Abbas Alawi, rahimahullah, the brother of Sayyid Muhammad and my personal mentor. I mentioned this to him. He said, you must be careful of people who entertain these type of ideas. And he related to me the entire story of what happened in 1979. Because they are from Mecca. He said the firing of Juhayman al-Utaybi's people's guns was so loud that we could hear the firing from the Al-Haram al-Sharif, Al-Masjid al-Haram. Of course the entire Mecca is Haram. But Al-Masjid al-Haram, the Masjid, in our homes we could hear the firing. And it's a fitna, it's a tribulation. Based upon this tribulation, a Sayyid Muhammad bin Alawi rahimahullah, he did research on a book of Al-Imam Habibullah al-Shinqiti rahimahullah. Al-Imam Habibullah al-Shinqiti rahimahullah, Mauritanian, but was a shaykh of Al-Imam Yusuf al-Nabahani rahimahullah. He compiled a small work on Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu anhu, the standard ahadith, many of which you would have heard. But Sayyid Muhammad bin Alawi rahimahullah, he did a research on the book and he published the book after the tribulation of Juhayman al-Utaybi. Why? To reassert the correct Sunni position. What is the correct Sunni position? That the signs, the ashratu sa'a will occur when Allah wills. Number one, we do not have the Armageddon type mentality like the Christian groups in the Bible Belt. What do they believe? They believe they will bring about Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So, supporting the evangelist, evangelist Christian groups, they believe, evangelical groups, they believe that by supporting the state of Israel, illegal state of Israel, they will bring about Armageddon. And the, the war of the Armageddon will bring about the descent of Isa This is 
a qadari type of belief. They are believing, they are creating the future. They are creating the future events and preordaining what will occur. When the position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge of our affairs and we believe in Al-Qadha wal-Qadr, predestination. This is an important aspect. Secondly, events will occur when Allah wills for them to occur, but they will occur baghdatan. What does that mean? That the ashratu sa'a occurs suddenly when people are not expecting them. It could very easily happen. Tonight we all go to sleep and we wake up in the morning not expecting the next sign, which the next near major sign is the drying up of the Euphrates to the point that a mountain of gold is revealed. And a mountain of gold is revealed. But similarly, it could happen that the sign could occur 70 years from now. Meaning, who knows? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is then the benefit of discussing Ashratu Sa'a? One of the benefits is that we live in the times of tribulation, but these tribulations have occurred from the passing away of Rasulullah. These are known as cyclic tribulations. What are cyclic tribulations? Economic depressions, economic booms and busts that have happened historically. There was a time in Egypt and Syria where people were forced to eat uh, corpse, dead corpses and dead animals because of the poverty. Meaning that's a cyclic sign. Every generation there are economic booms and busts. Currently we are facing the shrinking of the economy. Of course many factors have a role in that. One of the factors is what? The war in Ukraine but prior to that, the COVID lockdowns, all of these things are what are referred to as cyclic events. Similarly, the spread of a virus in every generation, we know that post-World War I, there was the Spanish influenza. And then 100 years later, another virus, meaning every few decades, a virus may spread. This is also from the cyclic events. Similarly, wars like in 1990 and 1991, you had the Gulf War, but then prior to that, the Iraqi invasion of Iran from 1980 to 1988, the Lebanese War within that decade, the invasion of Afghanistan in 1979, and the, then the, the Russian evacuation from Afghanistan in 1989, the breakdown of the USSR, then uh, the events of 9-11, meaning you can count so many different wars, these are also cyclic events. Cyclic events, in every generation we will face tribulation. So in the sunnah of Rasulullah we are given instructions how to face those tribulations. Like al-ibadatu fil harji kal-hijrati ilayya. Hadith states, worship, increasing worship, in times of mindless violence is like migrating to the Prophet These type of guidance. Or for instance, when Rasulullah gives us advice to plant a tree even if the, the Day of Judgment occurs, 
This is a sign with regard to what giving importance to self-sufficiency, which is something important today, where people should be self-sufficient in terms of having their own farms. And I've mentioned this in various places in Masajid that local communities can purchase farms. Local groups can purchase farms even in this country where you buy, buy farmland and you have your local produce. But this doesn't mean that we've become an Armageddon cult, that uh, we stay away from mainstream society because Islam is something that remains mainstream. It enters every society and becomes mainstream within that society. It is not like the Amish or different uh, religions and faiths that stay isolated from the mainstream. Islam enters the mainstream, but we still follow the guidelines of Rasulullah But then there are those signs which I refer to as signpost signs. These signpost signs are the ones that a person should be wary of. Signpost signs are specific signs that only occur once. So when those signs occur, a person should take heed and warning. They have occurred, for instance, we'll cover some of the historical signs you will be familiar. Like when the fire occurred around Al-Madinatul Munawwara, after the, or around the time when the Mongols invaded Baghdad. The Mongol invasion of Baghdad was a signpost sign because it's, it is specifically mentioned in Hadith. It only occurred once and it will never occur again. Similarly, the fire around Al-Madinah al occurred once and it was prophesied for occurring once. Like this, if you go back, the martyrdom of Sayyiduna Uthman, the martyrdom of Sayyiduna Hussein, radiallahu anhumah, these are signpost signs foretold. But in our time, in the past 100 years, you, can, you have a few signpost signs, like the Bedouins competing in building and constructing tall buildings. It's a signpost sign. Today, in the UAE, you have the construction of Burj, Burj Rashid, the, the tallest building in the world, and then the Saudis plan to construct a taller building. And this is a, an exact sign foretold in the Hadith, and tara al-urat al-hufata You'll see those destitute, barefoot, naked Bedouins, meaning people with no literate background in these Bedouin royal families. And they will compete to construct tall buildings, which has happened. That is a signpost sign. Another signpost sign would be the Gulf War, the Syrian War and the Gulf War. How? Someone may say how? Because the hadith specifically mentions the sanctions on Iraq in the Sahih of Imam Muslim. And uh, Al-Habib Abdul Qadir Al-Thaqaf, Rahimallah Ta'ala, when he advised Al-Habib Abu Bakr, who passed away recently, uh, Al-Habib Abu Bakr, that go and do research on the Ashratu Sa'a. Al-Habib Abu Bakr, he went back home this was when he was living, residing in Makkah al-Mukarramah. He went home and he, he took out Sahih Muslim, the commentary of Sahih Muslim, and he found the hadith on the sanctions. And he took it back to Al-Habib Abdul Qadir, 
And he showed him the sign and he said, look, the sign has occurred. Al-Habib Abdul Qadir commanded him to write books on the Ashratu Sa'a. But that occurred in their time, in 1990 and 1991. Why it states that the nations shall apply sanctions on Iraq, this has never happened historically. And then the Sahabi asks, who will they be? Ar-Rum. And the, uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu affirms, yes, Ar-Rum, meaning what we have, the UN body, which imposed the sanctions on Al-Iraq. Similarly, the civil war and the civil strife in Syria, Bilad al-Sham, is a signpost sign. It's foretold. Like in Nu'aym bin Hamad's work, Al-Fitan, Sa'id ibn Musayyib, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions from Abu Huraira, radiallahu an, because he was a student of Sayyiduna Abu Huraira, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he mentions this sign of Fitnatu sham so where do we stand today in terms of the appearance of Imam Mahdi radiallahu an? As I've made very clear, we do not have the cultic Armageddon approach, but we know that when a signpost sign occurs, we take warning. What is the next signpost? One of the major signposts to occur next is the Euphrates River depleting and a mountain of gold appearing which will cause major war in the Middle East. Major war in what is known as the Middle East today. Especially in the regions of Al-Iraq and Syria. That is the next sign. And people ask, how do you know this is a sign before Al-Imam Al-Mahdi? Uh, if you check Nu'aym bin Hamad's book Al-Fitan, some people will uh, object to the authenticity of the book. Nu'aym bin Hamad is one of the shuyukh of Imam Bukhari. The book contains many authentic hadith. So you can disregard the inauthentic and weak hadith, but it does contain authentic hadith. But also, there is a citation for this, and Imam Muhammad bin Abdir Rasul al-Barzanji, he mentions the citation in his book, Al-Isha'a, Li-Ashrati Sa'a, that that is a sign to occur before the appearance of Imam al-Mahdi, radiallahu But before that sign occurring, the world must face a major shift from the current world order. The current world order that we have, which is the order of nation states, this will undergo a major shift and a major shaking up. That will occur. Meaning the current paradigm of the world nation states will undergo a shift. That shift is what we must survive as Muslims. And what is the obligation upon us as Muslims how do we survive that shift is by following the guidelines of Al-Quran Al-Kareem, the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Al-Madhahib Al-Fiqhiyya, the schools of Al-Fiqh and jurisprudence. Now, before delving into some additional signs of the appearance of Imam Al-Mahdi and then opening up for questions and answers, I would want to mention that between this period where we live now, we face what? Uh, firstly, environmental problems. Within the environmental problems, you have people taking a stance who are known as environmentalists. And then you have capitalists, and then you have Muslims, Islam. Environmentalists, some of whom are supported by capitalists, 
they may speak rightly about some things like the pollution of rivers or nuclear proliferation or these type of things, but where are they at fault? They are at fault in terms of what is the solution for those problems. The solution is, of course, al-Islam and the demolishing of what capitalism, world capitalism as we have now. Similarly, you have capitalists who discuss environmentalism, but they never point out to the fact that industrialization and capitalism is the cause of the, of the environmental problems that we have today. So the only third position that we have is the position of al-Islam. Because the very basis of an Islamic order is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not the race for capital. The race for capital cannot be our underlying morality. Underlying morality must be ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, we have an over-militarization of the world nation-state. So the nation-state model, it has over-industrialization and capitalist competition which leads to environmental disaster. It is over-militarized. Many Muslims were not the ones responsible for nuclear proliferation and environmental disaster, the production of so many harmful chemicals and gases which kill people indiscriminately. These were all manufactured by the West. And thirdly, we have an economic crisis. This is the current world order that we have. And this spider's web is currently upheld, meaning currently as we observe, it is upheld artificially. But eventually it, it will collapse because that is the natural cycle, or what, better term than natural cycle would be sunnatullah, if we call them the sunnah of Allah in the universe. When that crisis occurs, that is when the ashratu sa'a will increase. What will happen, a part of the Euphrates River drying relates to the environmental disasters. The gold appearing relates to economic disasters. Proliferation, increase of gold leads to what? Uh, devaluation of other currencies. And then, and it also leads to inflation of gold. An increase of gold, like the, when the conquistadors brought gold into Europe, it led, led to inflation. And the third, the over-militarization leads to bloodbaths, people being killed. So in a Tirmidhi, for instance, when they mention Al-Hajjaj bin Yusuf, they mention Hajjaj bin Yusuf killed over 100,000, they mention a specific number, 100 thousand individuals, this is aside from the people that died in wars, while teaching the Jami' of Imam Tirmidhi, I exclaimed and uttered to the students that the killing that we observe in our day and age is much worse. How many people died under the rule of Saddam Hussein alone? How many people have died under individual rulers, meaning hundreds and thousands? So the over-militarization the exploitation of the environment and the downfall of the economy and mass human 
uh, what do we have? Exploitation of, of humans. The, the modern slave trade. What is the modern slave trade? When human beings, free humans, are transported from one region, kidnapped and uh, transported to another region as sex slaves or anything else. All of this is the fitna in the world. This is the meaning of the hadith that al-Mahdi will not appear until what? إِذَا مُلِئَتِ الْأَرْضُ Until the earth is filled with zulm, oppression and tyranny. So we await the signpost. But in the meantime, we as Muslims, we also provide the solution. What is the solution? The solution is Islam. Islam is not a political party. Because if you make Islam a political party, it's a choice within the system. So within the system, people have a choice. Islam, communism, capitalism, socialism, Marxism. No, Islam is not a political party. Islam is a way of life. We offer Islam to humanity as a solution to the problems of humanity. And then when Imam al-Mahdi appears, those signs will occur as Rasulullah foretold. One of them, as narrated in the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaybah, Rahimahullah is a loud voice will call out where people will hear this in the East and the West, the voice of an angel. It's actually on the authority of Sayyiduna Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet That sign shall occur. Similarly, the army that will be swallowed in Al-Bayda, which is a quicksand near Al-Madinatul Munawwara. And then the Bay'ah, the oath of allegiance being given to Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu in Al-Masjid Al-Haram, Bayn Wal-Maqam. What is a ruk? The, the corner of the black stone. And Al-Maqam is the station of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Between those two, the oath of allegiance will be given to Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu So that occurring, there are a few signs left to occur before that happens. And in the meantime, we as Muslims proactively present Islam to humanity, act upon our Islam. What are the practical guidelines that I have mentioned? Increasing our fiqh, understanding of Ashratu Sa'a. In practical guidelines in terms of end of times, increasing our ibadah, increasing our worship, at-taqarrub Allah, closeness to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third is self-sustainability. Meaning people should, years ago I mentioned to people, do not invest in cryptocurrency. People at that time made a mockery because I advised them to invest in gold and silver. Today those people who invested in cryptocurrency, the majority of them, they are crying and those who invested in gold, they are happy because of the gold prices rising. So invest in real currency which is gold and silver. But of course now gold and silver has gone high. The best investment is farming land and, in, and having farms to have produce that we can live on in difficult times. Insha'Allah Ta'ala will open up for questions and answers. So the question is around cashless society, digitalization of money and such prospects. How we as Muslims can we counter these problems? The answer is that do not shy away from political action. 
do not underestimate political action. That many people, they mention that LGBT is being taught in schools, but recently a petition was given in to the government where now it's not necessary upon schools to enforce LGBT indoctrination. There's some kind of guidelines. The guidelines have changed. These political groups that form what pressure groups, they are for pressure groups that place pressure on the government with regard to its policies. My take on digital currency or these type of things is that these things are a natural progress of the current monetary system. It's a natural progress. It's not a conspiracy. But in order to stop that natural progress, we must petition. Petitioning has powerful results. You only need to read about uh, different movements in Britain in the 1800s that were countering government policies that changed the government's mind and so many things. So demonstration is not as powerful as petitioning government. So here in the UK, we can petition government if we have powerful support from different lobby groups, Muslims and non-Muslims united on a common goal. So a petition, for instance, demonstrating against LGBT indoctrination in schools, it will have a powerful effect within democratic uh, Britain, but within certain democratic policies. This can be done. And similarly, uh, with policies that you may feel are affecting your freedoms. So post 9-11, there were some policies of the government which, which affected Muslims, like detention, which would last for a number of weeks. But now the days have been reduced to 14 days, detention without any charge. Of course, that detention was not that long during the Irish, what they referred to as the Irish Troubles or during the Irish pub bombings in the 1970s. But political action, the best form is petitioning parliament and convincing politicians that certain policies are, are not in the best interest of the citizens. Uh, modern warfare will occur. Initially, modern warfare will occur. Post-Malhama, post-Malhama, will not involve modern weaponry. So there's pre-Malhama and post-Malhama. Malhama in itself will be a terrible war. And people should not wish to live in the time of Mahdi. There are some people who wish to live in that time. They are deluding themselves. And similarly, some who say, I wish I was in the army of the Mahdi. This is delusion. Because one third of the army will run away and be never forgiven for that sin. So that's delusional. Instead, you should ask Allah, he safeguard you from fitan, tribulations. So it seems that post-Malhama, the war will be fought without modern weaponry. In a world where feminism is commonly taught, idea to many women, how can a woman protect herself from this ideology? 
staying true to Islam while honoring our choices within reason to a career. What careers should a woman look into? Firstly, uh, to safeguard yourself from feminism, stop watching television and dramas. Because television is programming women and men how to behave. Real interaction with real human beings is how we should behave, not what is portrayed to us on television, especially some of these uh, Indo-subcontinent Pakistani dramas where the, the interplay between the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law is displayed, how women should behave. So our behavior should not be dictated to us by television. It should be based upon a teaching, which is the teaching of Al-Islam. Career-wise, the best career a, mother could, uh, a woman could have is being a mother, the mother to her children. This is the best career. The hadith mentions dreams will increase at the end of times, not wakeful. Dreams will increase, truthful dreams. But if someone sees Rasulullah in a dream, he should not mention it to anyone because those dreams tend to stop if you mention them. Again, this is what I have been warning against in my book as well. So that narration is regarding a column of fire that will appear in the east. And when that happens, Rasulullah advised to keeping a stock of food for a year, a supply of food for a year. That happens post the Euphrates gold. Post. So it's important to place the signs in their correct order. Additionally, that sign cannot occur now because so many other signs have not occurred. So this is a prime example of how people misuse the hadith. When did this happen? When the Olympic Games happened in 2012 in the UK, there was a conspiracy theory that the UK will launch nuclear weapons on London. Strangely enough, they thought the UK government will launch nuclear weapons on its own capital city for some strange reason. There was conspiracy websites, Rick Clay and others, they made these claims. Rick Clay died way before the Olympic Games, but there were others like Ian R. Crane, he's passed away as well now. And they were propagating this conspiracy theory. And then some Muslims latched onto this theory and they utilized this hadith to say there will be a column of fire. And the Olympic Games at that time, if you remember, were occurring around Ramadan also. So this is a prime example of people misusing hadith. Like once, uh, Anjam Chaudhary, the extreme Wahhabi, he misused the hadith that in the end of times, the Muslims will raid the White House. Al-Qasrul Abyad. This was in reference to the Persian palace in the time of the companions. But he was using it with regard to Washington DC. So this is how people can misuse hadith to the point that they delude the followers. So a Dajjal is a creature who is alive in occultation. And he will appear at the end of time. Yes, it's a sahih hadith. The Prophet وسلم, said, when, um, when the end of times tribulations will happen, 
a person who goes into the peak of a mountain where there's a watering source and he has his animals. But the hadith mentions other things. It mentions that he gives the right of the goats. Why is that zakat? Entailing the person as knowledge, requisite knowledge. So it's not permitted to go into isolation unless you have requisite knowledge. So that is a person who is a faqih and alim. Secondly, the hadith mentions a second category of people. The hadith mentions a second category of people. Those are the ones in the, doing jihad in the way of Allah and riding their horse and fighting the enemy. So that means that the Muslims are not in total isolation in that time. The hadith is regarding civil strife amongst the Muslims. When there is civil strife amongst Muslims, the better Muslim is the one who either does jihad, avoiding killing fellow Muslims, or the one who goes into a mountain and isolates himself. That's the context. So, and then thirdly also, some people, they quote this and they say they isolate themselves, but in reality, isolation is only permitted for the one who has the conditions of isolation, who is a faqih. The common man, if he isolates himself, he will misguide himself, like Juhayman al-Utaybi's group. So there's a context to all those hadith. So when the Abdal recognized Al-Imam al-Mahdi that is authentic in hadith. Sheikh Mahyuddin ibn Arabi, he has the opinion through his kash that there will be a group of jurists who oppose him. So that's the kash of Sheikh Mahyuddin ibn Arabi. Why? Because he goes against their conventional habits. Imagine you grew up in a village where everyone is a staunch Hanafi and they do not do Rafal Yadain. And you are brought up thinking Rafal Yadain relates to Usuluddin. And then you hear about Al Mahdi and he's doing Rafal Yadain. So you oppose him because it goes against what you have been taught. And you can say the, the response to in reverse. This happens among certain jurists, fuqaha. They're jurists in the sense they read fiqh books and they are accustomed to a, a narrow parochial education and then they oppose anything new they may hear, even though it falls within the parameters of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. But the parameters of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah are really broad. Broad enough that a person doesn't need to become a reformist. Some people become reformists because they think uh, the fiqh is too narrow. This is false. The four schools are so vast, there is enough scope for everything. See, again, people read one hadith and they believe that when Mahdi appears, they need to go to him because the hadith says, crawl to him on ice if you need to. That's referring to two, uh, on two conditions. Number one, people who fit the criteria to go to Al-Mahdi. What is the criteria? Physical fitness, mental stability, knowledge of the deen of Allah. Obligation. Like if someone is taking care of their parents, that's a greater obligation than going to Al-Mahdi. So if your parents are old and the Mahdi appears, what do you do? You look after your parents. Second condition 
is Al-Mahdi himself will issue commands. So he'll advise people at the time. So why for, it's not for us to worry now, what shall we do when Mahdi appears? No, Mahdi will give out advice at the time. Even though it's a long time away, meaning none of the signs have happened, so it's nothing to worry about. You may reach 80 and we'll still be talking about the signs of Imam al-Mahdi radiallahu anh. Or you may not. You may, you may appear before. See, Al-Quds al-Sharif could be emancipated today. It's nothing, nothing to do with Al-Imam Mahdi radiallahu anh because Al-Imam Mahdi will conquer Constantinople, he will conquer Damascus, he will conquer Jerusalem. That conquering is different to the current conquering. So people should not say we cannot conquer Jerusalem until Al-Imam al-Mahdi appears. No. We can conquer Jerusalem now and later the black banners can also reconquer Jerusalem. That is the correct position. Because that is in effect saying sit down and do nothing until Al-Mahdi appears.